Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hey, what's up, guys? Christopher Stalley here. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall. Again, I do apologize for the uh, breaking news announcement that we had to do a couple days ago, myself and Steven Joyner, uh, that un. un- fathomable news uh I, I do apologize to the listeners and the fans of the joe uh crawford experience as i told you before though unfortunately what he's accused of and what he's doing uh goes against the standards and practices of, of realm of the mist entertainment and we just we until he's cleared we can't have him associated with this uh with this company that being said, uh, we are going to go into another topic of conversation here uh, with my guest. My guest is a uh, essentially a rancher, for, for lack of a better term, an EMT uh, in, in the state of Oregon, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, and she's got a story that she wants to tell that I think it's uh, probably something a lot of people need to hear. Um, but also it is hopefully going to aspire her writing career uh in a sense that this story may be something that uh in print could help a lot of people uh let me allow uh allow me to welcome lisa bagsby to to the show lisa how you doing i'm fine thank you thank you for having me on your show oh thank you um so yeah i did the I, I was correct. You're in Oregon, and as you were describing to me before we started recording, uh, you are an EMT, an, a, a working EMT, and that you and your husband, not to jump ahead of the story, uh, basically own a ranch out there, or, or uh, I don't want to use the term farm, but for lack of a better term, like, uh, you know, animals, like you said, a, a nice house uh, by the mountains, lots of land and, and, and such. Is that correct? Yes. All right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so living a normal life, as you said, you were you were uh, you were dealing with a uh, typical everyday, uh, like you said, your husband and you would uh, cut wood, take care of the animals, do your normal nine to fives and, and, and pretty much living the dream. You, uh, you know, like you said, you're married, you uh, you have children, you have grandchildren and then things went a different direction and I'll let you yeah. go ahead and explain that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I was married to the love of my life and he passed away in March 2nd, 2018, suddenly to pancreatic cancer. My whole life changed. Um, I lost my memory for a while. I had to learn to be self-sufficient and be able to take care of everything um, by myself, chop wood, do the chores, uh, maintain the property. I still worked full time. Um, it was very difficult. But the last thing my husband said to me was that I was beautiful and I could do anything I wanted. And I would just sit and cry on this mountain and beg him to come and take me with him, but he never did. So I kept going and I got stronger and stronger and stronger. 
until everything was easy, I could function, and I miss him every day. I, I missed him then. I still miss him. And then a year and a half after his death, I was introduced to a gentleman, and I was told he was divorced, a farm boy, um, raised as a farm boy. Um, he drove a train. Um, he was married one time and divorced, no children. <laughs> And met him through a mutual friend. I didn't date. I didn't go to bars. I wasn't ready to date. I wasn't looking for anyone. Well, he befriended me very quickly, and he was the nicest guy I've ever met. He was. He wasn't handsome, um, but he was kind. He was a gentleman. I fell for him hard. Um, with him, in two and a half months, he helped dry my tears. Um, I was able to smile, enjoy life. I saw him about two days a week, and um, we always had an adventure. We always had something great to do. So, uh, before before we get into the really bad, like uh, if I'm understanding correctly, like you you weren't necessarily looking for love. Just this guy came along at the the right time, and although you weren't looking for love, it, it seemed like the right fit. At, at at the time well it took him a while it took him about two months of being my friend before I even um, considered dating him or anyone I wasn't looking I wasn't ready I told him I wasn't ready but when he would hug me he was so big that he made me feel safe and I hadn't felt that way in a long time and he made me feel like I could depend on him and trust him he knew that I was only looking for one guy I wasn't looking for 10. I wasn't looking to date. I was just waiting for that one perfect guy. And I thought it was him. Okay, so obviously this seems like a, a perfect scenario. He he was patient. Uh, he, he was your friend first. Uh, allowed you to get to know him. Uh, allowed himself to get to know you. And, and, and basically love blossomed from there. But if that was the end of the story, obviously, uh, <laughs> this show would be extremely short. Unfortunately, things didn't stay yes. that way. No. Um, I thought this guy was perfect. I had no reason to distrust him or question him. The only thing that bothered him, he would often talk about um, how hard it was on his job because his 14-year career, he'd hit like seven people. Um, on the train tracks and the last two that he had hit were teenagers and that was about the time that we became friends and so he really opened up to me and he would like um, be in contact with me almost every day and like I said we would see each other one or two days of the week and I think with me talking about missing my husband and him talking about the trauma of running over the people on the train and having no ability to stop the train. It must have been a horrible thing. We connected on that level. We were both kind of hurt, and we connected, and we became great friends, and then we became great lovers. Well, on September 1st, he went missing. And I had a gut feeling one or two weeks before he went missing that something was wrong. He wasn't acting the same. Um, he was always jittery, and 
he, whenever I wasn't in the room, he would be on his phone. And then when I left the room, he would, I mean, when I wasn't in the room, he would be on his phone. I walk into the room and he'd hide his phone and I would ask him, is everything okay? He's like, yes, it's fine. I'm like, are you even really divorced? Is there anything you need to tell me? There's nothing we can't work through. No, no, everything's fine. So I had no reason to just trust him other than this horrible gut feeling I had. Right. So on September 1st, he went missing. And I called and reported him missing. I didn't know his friends. I didn't know his family. He never introduced me to them. <laughs> and so I went searching for him. And search and rescue came out in the sheriff's department. And they questioned me. And then I went with them with search and rescue to search for him. The first day they, in that evening, they called off the search because they went through his phone and they showed me his emails and everything that he was involved with, a lot of illegal stuff, um, a lot of dirty, nasty things, things can, that I don't even understand today. I don't even try to. Can I, uh, at the risk, I, I, don't, I don't know how the case is or, or how the situation is now. Uh, can you elaborate on what some of the illegal activities he was in like what, what was he doing if you could if you could talk about it yeah i i don't want to because it's in my book in my whole okay. objective of this is to focus on dirty in his name or point out the hurtful things the focus of my book is empowering other people women and men to both stand up and not to take harassing bullying and lies you have a voice so use it and those are the things i want to me i don't want to focus on him no absolutely that that's absolutely fine i was just uh i was just curious um because of the fact of like you know to really get scope of what what this guy turned out to be but that that's fine please continue <laughs> rule I, number one I wish that I, rule number one on this show is I, never spoil so <laughs> <laughs> well and i wish that i had a definition for what he was that person that i didn't know i wish i had a definition for that but I would sit and I would ask why, and I would search for those answers, and I never got those answers. And then one day I realized, it doesn't matter why, I probably wouldn't like the answer I got anyway. Right. But I... Okay, so I'll go back to the search. So the first night... Sorry. No, no problem. Please. The first day of search and rescue that evening, they were talking to me, and they're like, we're calling off the search. And I just felt like they disregarded him as a human because of these emails and these messages that they found on his phone. They disregarded him as um, unimportant, that he, ha he deserved to be found. His family deserved to have answers, um, that I deserved to be having answers. So they called up the search, and they said he was either picked up by one of his contacts at a bar somewhere, or he had um, committed suicide. Well, I kept searching for him from 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. Um, I had a 7 centimeter mass in my uterus. I was bleeding. I was sick. Um, and he knew this. I was due for surgery October 1st. And um, I had to reschedule my surgery. But I would search, and it was hot, and I was the only one searching. And on September 17th, I went out with my dogs on my mountain. And my dogs located um, a smell. 
And so I crawled through the brush, and I don't know if you've ever crawled through blackberries, but it's like crawling through razor blades, basically. Not blackberries, but I've, I've had similar experiences, yeah. And so I went through the brush that wasn't, I don't know, 100 yards from my trail that I walked down all the time that I took search and rescue down. I thought they searched my whole entire property. I didn't realize they only searched a quarter of it. Oh, wow. Um, and I searched the mountain above my property because I thought my property had already been searched. Um, so I came across smell, and I'll never forget that smell. And I'm an EMT, so I've pretty much seen and um, dealt with anything, and I have a pretty good tolerance to that kind of thing. And so I walked brush, and I pulled the brush back, and I looked, and... Um, what I saw was horrific. Um, I fell to the ground and I started throwing up and I started crying and I called the detective and I couldn't breathe. And I crawled my way out and I don't even remember how I got back. I crawled up the mountain. Um, it was, it was, it was horrible. And so the sheriff's department came and I showed him where, um, I had to walk back in there and show them where the body was. I found the body. And false reports were that um, he was buried on my property and that I had murdered him. And he tried to crawl himself out of the hole. Um, horrible things were reported on me. Um, newspapers and local news channels and Seattle news channels. Well, that, that and, that's what I was going to about to clarify when you said that reports of, of him being buried. It, it did for clarification. It wasn't the police department that filed those reports. It was it was uh, media sources. Exactly. It started out with um, one reporter here, a local news reporter here, um, and he was contacted and he did redact that story and clarified he wasn't buried, but he also didn't clarify that. He lied, and it was a false report. He he stated that he redacted the article um, to prevent harm from loved ones. He didn't state he lied. He didn't interview me. He didn't. He, I don't even know why he said that. But that's where it all came from. And the Seattle guys egged on the harassment and the bullying, and um, said that I bullied him because he had a different sexual um, appetite than me. And I never defended myself. Had I known anything about his sexual life, I wouldn't have dated him. I didn't know. I didn't know I should check his phone. I didn't know what he was into. So there, I didn't bully him. I just did not know. I, I do have to ask because I don't want to spoil it. It's obviously in your book, and we're going to be talking about your book here in a minute. But uh, just, just on the little pieces you're giving here about his sexual appetites and everything— was this something that basically when you learned about this stuff, was this something that kind of directly puts you in danger? Um, it, it could have, yes, because these um, Seattle guys, they might have been into the same thing. I know there was a group of five of them. Um, I'm saying um again. I'm sorry. I try to hold back the tears, so I do that a lot. Oh, no there problem. was a group of five of them that were, were really – his closest ring of friends on his phone, which I told you, I saw his phone, the police and I went to the sheriff's department and I went through his phone Right. and they really started harassing me. So I don't know if they were involved into these illegal things or what their point of harassing me was, but I would get um, threats 
there's 50 of us in one queue. And that was true. And they would say stuff like, slap the bitch and bury her with her boyfriend. Um, it was bad. It was ugly. They would call me names. They'd call me a whore and a cunt and um, all kinds of things. Just dirty, nasty things for no reason. They've never met me. I did nothing wrong. Sounds to me like their own interests. I don't know. It's, it's purely speculation, but just going off of what I'm hearing, it sounds to me like because you now knew of their world, whatever that world is, they were now trying to bully you into silence to protect their own interests. For That's exactly what happened. I was silent, and I remained silent. And then my son is 20, and he was harassed and bullied so bad he quit his job and he quit college. And he moved to the city uh, with his older sister because he couldn't take it anymore. They so were, I was alone for the first time. They they were going after him as well then. They they found out about, about your son in college and all and, and were harassing him as well. Yes, and I had a Lincoln County Sheriff's Department person, deputy, living here that rented a big shop for me, and he had an RV down there. And they did the same thing to him. He had to move to keep his job. Oh, Jesus. There, it was said we were having a sex ring. It was it, just horrible things. And it, then it wasn't just the Seattle guys. It, I live in a small town. Right. And then because I didn't stick up for myself, I didn't have a voice because I couldn't talk. Because I had a lump in my throat. I couldn't talk. It was like I was walking around watching this girl walk around. And I wasn't in her body. I would walk and I couldn't feel the ground and I could touch things and I couldn't feel the objects. And I could see people move their mouths, but I couldn't hear them talk. And so the local people started getting all this stuff and the Seattle guys would come and spread their lies and their rumors and their hate. And so people in my own town started doing the same thing. They started calling me Carol Baskins. They said that I murdered my husband and him. They were even throwing your husband's and, name in on this. Yes, and they said I was a whore and a scarlet and a murderer. And um, it, it, I'm, I'm speechless. I, I really don't know what to say on that. It's, it's got to be a horrible experience. As, as a person, you know, not to, not to, not to. Uh, compare pain in any way shape or form but it has a person who has experienced his own uh trials with trauma and and how to deal with them like people have different ways they deal with it and you know it just sounds like you had so much hit you all at once that that you you kind of shut down and when you did people took that as as for lack of a better term admission of guilt and use that as a reason to be terrible people and I, I absolutely am disgusted by that aspect because of the fact that, like, you don't know what somebody's been through. Exactly. That, and no one bothered to ask. No one bothered to come and talk to me. No one. I would have let them in. I would have talked to them. No reporters came. No one came. So they literally just ran with a story without ever getting any facts from you whatsoever. Not one, yes. not one person gave a phone call or knocked at your door and said, hey, would you like to give a statement? Would you like to tell us your side? No. Not one person. 
It's absolutely disgusting. Even even on the local levels, it gets that way, guys. Um, all right, so back back, unfortunately, to the story at hand. Um, so right now, he he died. Uh, did they determine his cause of death? The the police. Um, I I. He was found. Um, he with the gun beside him. They found the shell casing. They found a hard bottle of alcohol, which I didn't even realize he drank hard alcohol, or he had any with him. He, he drank a couple beers. Um, he didn't even have a drinking problem, no drug problem, no nothing. Um, and then they found his work bag in a different location that was um, shoved into a hole and buried in a hole. Essentially, this. Uh you know, this, this guy committed suicide, and it was obviously premeditated. It was always a death investigation. It was never a homicide investigation. Right. I was just wondering if, it, and that was made public, uh, I assume, eventually, that, that this was uh, death by suicide. And, and at least at some point, the uh, the media and, and the local community should have caught wind of the fact that this the final the final verdict of the of the investigation is that it was you know a suicide not not murder or or any suspicion of foul play which in turn should have exonerated you at least in most of their eyes correct it would it didn't matter what anyone it didn't matter what the sheriff's office um their news releases it didn't matter it would be like well how did he, if he was buried, how did he dig his way out? What she, him, didn't matter what anyone, the facts were. They're like, where was the gun? Where'd the gun come from? Well, obviously I didn't have my fingerprints on it. Obviously I didn't know he had a gun. I never shot the gun. I never seen the gun. But they would take every report because these Seattle guys kept pushing and harassing and bullying and, and spreading their lies in their dirt. It didn't matter what anyone said. They said, if this is ruled out as suicide, we're bringing in other agencies and we're opening this up. They brought it up. They paid for a private investigator. They had two or three or four GoFundMe pages where they would make money. They would sell T-shirts. But the money never went anywhere. Where did the they One, they made $11,000. No one came here. The private investigator showed up at my gate. I told him he can't come onto my property. The detective told him he can't come onto my property. He re he reported that he drove a motorcycle all over my property searching. And people donated money for this cause. And it's all false. It's all lies. Jesus. So it didn't matter what anyone reported. Well, they, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just don't even know. It doesn't matter what was reported. They would just turn it around. People everywhere. Local people. Seattle guys. Um, they, I don't know. They would just turn it around. It's, they had that ability. They had that power. It's absolutely. I'm I'm literally like gobstopped. I'm I'm flabbergasted on on just the reaction of the community. Like, okay, uh, I I don't I'm not trying to get political here, but we all know how how media works. Um, we we all know how they pick a narrative instead of the facts. So I'm not shocked in that aspect, but that the community, you know, even on a local level, couldn't make their own decisions 
by following the facts. That's why I asked, was it was it public knowledge that that it was a suicide to where some people would be like, oh, we were wrong. You know, and and it's, yeah. I'm flabbergasted. The community refused to believe even the facts and just go with this instead. Exactly. And I asked that question, too, to the sheriff's department, and they're like, it's uh, um, that's investigation. That means that. It's a suicide. It's not a homicide. I'm like, how would anyone know that? I mean, unless you research it and Google it, most people don't know the difference between a death investigation and a homicide. I didn't know until I looked it up. It was never a homicide. Right. But people, they believe what they want to believe. And it's a small town. They're all related. Um, this is full of hate. Hate and bullying and harassing this town is horrible for that. It's known for that. Even with the COVID virus, I mean, they've they bullied homeowners' vacation homeowners where they couldn't even come down. They've closed off roads where they couldn't even come down and get to their vacation homes to make sure their homes are okay and they don't have water leaks or someone stranger is living in there. They blocked off their roads and they bullied everyone so they cannot come down here. It's it's. Well, I, I definitely have to go go in this direction now. Um, obviously, the investigation's closed, and 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 now you're you're dealing with the, uh, for lack of a better term here, the fallout. Um, is is it something you're still dealing with? Like, are you still doing the EMT work and everything, and and still dealing with uh, the 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 I don't want to use the term cat calling. That's not correct, but I mean uh, the the heck. That's the term I was looking for, the heckling and the abusive language and, and, and you know, uh, still the mistrust from, from your neighbors and, and people in your community. Is it something that's still, yes, I am. still going now? Today? I actually, it is. I actually um, stopped working a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had to go to an outside agency to um, get employment. Everyone around here said, they wouldn't want a murderer taking care of their family members and their loved ones. And so I um, took a break a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to take a break for a little while now to focus on this. But um, if I go to town, there's always comments on the community discussion page about me. Um, they never say anything to my face, but it's always... Um, Lincoln City homepage on the discussion page. It's always, you know, about Carol Baskins, about me, about the murderer that lives in Otis. And I have lived here for um, over 10 years. These neighbors, the, I have two neighbors. They have been my neighbors, the same neighbors for over 10 years. They know that I'm a person, but not one of them stood up for me. No one came to check on me. All they did was take pictures of my house and um, talk to the Seattle guys and encourage it to keep going, the bullying to keep going. And these are people I've helped. I mean, they don't look at the positive things I've done. I've donated to suicide awareness. I've donated to bullying. I've donated to the American Lung Foundation. I've donated meat and food to people that needed it. I gave a year's free rent to my renters because of this COVID because they're out of work. I've, don I've cut and split and loaded firewood in my truck and taken it to people that need firewood and they're begging for firewood because they're elderly or they're disabled and they can't afford to buy firewood because it's like $200 a cord. Right. And these are the things that I do. 
and I don't put it out there and brag about it. These are just the things that I do to help people. And no one focuses on that. I mean, in those aspects, when you when you were doing these things, especially during the, the the COVID era and all that, for like the elderly and all, as you said, they were they were, uh, what were they doing? Were they like nice to your face, like oh, thank you for the free rent or thank you for bringing uh, this wood? And then as soon as you turn your back, it's like oh my god, can you believe her? Is well, it one no, of those types of situations. I don't think. Yeah, and I didn't really focus on that. Like the free rent. Um, to my renters, they've lived here like eight years. Um, they don't really get involved in their drama. You know, they have a daughter who's completely deaf. She goes to school in Salem. She's a disabled child. Right. And so I've never heard anything bad about them. Had I, I it wouldn't matter. I still would have gave them free rent. And, you know, I don't, I don't look at things anymore. I don't research things anymore. I just do what I do and I write what I write. And, I don't let it bother me anymore. I'm not going to let it keep me down anymore. I I am up and I'm going to stay up. And I have a voice and I'm going to use it. Well, that that's that's the that's the positive turn that I was I was looking forward to getting getting towards in this because what what you you're telling me is absolutely horrible and I can't even imagine living with that on a day-to-day basis. Like my next question was uh literally was going to be have you thought about moving, but instead of thinking about that, I'd rather think about uh you you have turned this negative into a positive in the sense of of uh, aspiring uh, expi- uh, aspiring writer and also using this as a platform to be able to help those who deal with bullying and deal with with uh, uh, similar situations that you have. Correct. It, correct. And and I I've, I've been asked. I've been approached to sell my property. This is property that's been in my family, my husband's family, for 90 years. This is property that was in his name, and when he passed away, he put it in my name, and he wanted it to go to our son right. to come here. We replanted it. It, it has trees growing on it. I couldn't have met. This is my home. Right. And I've been asked, are you going to at least change your name? No. I'm not going to change my name. I'm not going to change my hair color. I'm not going to sell my property. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to stand up for anyone that doesn't have a voice. Absolutely. And so, you know, uh, on, on the book, uh, obviously this is your story. You're, you're writing your, uh, what you've been through, correct? Yes. All right. Uh, what's the, what's the title of the book? Have you come up with one yet? The title for the book is I am that girl. That explains why I kept seeing it on your social media. <laughs> I didn't know that was the title of the book. I just saw the I Am That Girl. Um, okay, so. This is the first time I'm coming out with that. But it isn't that I am that girl. I'm so special. It is I am that girl. I'm your mother. I'm your sister. I'm your wife. I'm the girl standing on the corner trying to pay her bills. I'm the girl at the abortion clinic going in for an abortion. I'm the beauty queen. We're all sisters, and we're all women, and we should be empowering each other and building each other up. And being bold by, bullied by full-grown men or anyone else is not okay. Um, the chapter, there's a chapter of my book where I was bullied and harassed so bad I didn't want to live anymore. And I had a plan to go to the railroad trestle and stand over the river and wait for his train. 
the train that he would have been driving, the same train that those Seattle guys would have been driving on that day, and I would have looked them straight in the eye, and they would have had to face me for the first time and see what they had done. Well, thank God you didn't go that route. You know, uh, that 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 would have been that would have, in in my mind, it and correct me if I'm wrong here, that would have been giving up instead of fighting back. So thank God you didn't take that route. You know, and I, I think, felt like my life didn't matter. I didn't have anyone. I thought about going to counseling, but not one person in this community reached out to me, whether they were counselor or anything. And I just felt like I didn't matter. See, I'm trying. I'm trying to be impartial in this, but I, it, it disgusts me that the community just completely turned their back. Even, even in the professional levels of of people like psychologists and psychiatrists, you you kind of have a moral obligation to help people, regardless of what they have or have not done in life. You know that that's kind of the definition of your job, and you're turning away somebody crying for help is 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 absolutely shameful. You know, um, that, that's, wow, I, I don't even know, like, what to say to that, that, like, even, that, to me, that's on the level of, like, if you were, you know, hurt in a car accident, for example, God forbid, and knock wood, it never happens, but, you know, and, and an ER doctor saying, oh, it's her, I'm not touching her, you, you have a Hippocratic oath to help her. You, you but that's what I felt like, and even people that I worked with, another um, first responders, they felt the same way. They thought I was a murderer and I was a part of it. And they kept um, talking and um, they didn't care if I said, you know, he killed himself. They didn't care. They would just keep telling their stories. No one cared about the truth. Well, let me let me ask you this. And this 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 is uh, especially for, for the, the woman standing, standing, standing all now. If they turn and finally got the the message got the point got got the the ideas in their head finally that you know what they've been fighting you and 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 blasting you and bullying you for is not true and finally came to apologize to you could you even bring yourself to accept it like at this point would it be something that you could even say let bygones be bygones with I could I'm that kind of person and you know I try I have had many days where I wanted to wake up hating this guy I look for ways to hate him but I couldn't I love this guy and I believe that he um, loved me and whatever he was into he can't get out of I'm not sure what was going on. I don't know but I honestly do believe that he loved me and the area where I found his body I planted flowers and we have, I have this angel that we both made out of um, horseshoes, welding horseshoes. And because I have horses, I love horses, welding horseshoes and um, railroad spikes that he brought from the tracks where he worked. And we made this angel out of them. Um, and I have it hanging on the tree. And I go there and I sit in a chair. And I, I don't feel angry there. I feel... Um, safe and I write I sit there and I write and I hope that he found peace and closure and and I believe he has so I'm okay 
Now, is the is the book finished, or are you still writing it? Well, I had it um, just about finished, and I realized that I was focusing so much on him, and, and that isn't what my story is about. He was just a small part of it, you know, two and a half months. He was just a small part of it. Right. He didn't. I'm sure he didn't want this to happen to me. I'm sure he didn't expect this to happen to me. Right. What he did had nothing to do with me. Had it, I would have prevented it. Had I known he was going to do this, I would have stopped him. Right. Had I known he had a gun in the bag, I would have chased him down and tackled him, and I would have called for help. I did not know anything. There's nothing I could have done differently. Right, and and I, I think I think any adult would would say that. You know, so so you, you you finished the story when you wrote it. When when you wrote it, uh, you were m marginally concentrating on that, or not marginally, uh, mainly, and that's the correct term I was looking for. Uh, concentrating on the uh, these these couple months, on on horrible couple months, but couple months dealing with the what I guess you could say that his side of the story, what happened as far as him, but you were kind of staying away from explaining what you were going through and how you felt during it and, and like how little or much involved you were not only in that couple months, but things leading up to, um, so you, you basically said, okay, I need to take a, a step back, take a better look. And I want to make this right. I want to make this about, you know, make this about me so people who have ever been in my type of situation can see that there's life beyond this. Am, am I correct in, in that assumption, or am I just kind of putting words in your mouth? Absolutely. No, that's perfect, and that's exactly how I felt. I could never put an end to the story. It seemed like I was missing something, and then one day it hit me. It's, it's like, okay, it's not about the money. It's not about Dirty and His Name. What is this about? This is about me empowering people to tell them your life matters you don't have to sit alone in the dark you don't have to be harassed and bullied to the point where you don't want to live anymore get up get up and and use your voice and um, find a way there's a way there's a way ask for help when when this comes out I, I do got to ask this um, when this comes out is is uh are people going to be mad, like, uh, in in the sense of, like, have you used real names or did you kind of uh, protect identities in, in the book? Because people are going to want to know, like, assume names. Yeah, or... I, I, I have never um, written this book to hurt anyone. Um, I never wanted to share his dirty um, secrets to anyone to hurt them. But no one cared that I was being hurt. No one cared that this was ruining my life and that I wanted to die. No, so I... I'm sharing this to hopefully help someone else. I'm not sharing this to hurt anyone. No, no. So I, I am protecting people's names. That that's what I was asking because like I, I wasn't necessarily necessarily even meaning the 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 gentleman in question. I was meaning some of the people that have bullied you, uh, or or some of the reporters, you know, stuff like that. Some somebody who might take umbrage to the fact that you mention them in the book and then make life horrible for you more so well, than it's already been yeah. <laughs> I, I thought about that after i said it. it was like well more so than it's already been 
Um. So I'm ready for it. I'm ready to kick life's ass. If anyone wants to Google my name, they can Google my name and they're going to find these reports, these false reports and these harassments. There's things written like he was buried and tried to claw his way out. I mean, they're still on the Internet, and I don't know how to get them taken off. Unfortunately, once something's on the Internet, it never goes away. Um, even if people take them off of their particular servers, it once it's once it's gone, it's gone. Um, that's that's an unfortunate truth of the uh, the cyber age. But uh, okay, so so from from this point, like you're you're finishing the book, you're obviously going to publish it out. Do you have a publisher? Um, I think I have one in mind. Yeah, I work really well with him. Okay. And uh, once this book is released, what then? Uh, are you looking to make a career as a writer? And if so, uh, what field are you looking to get into? Just uh, continue down the, the trail of inspirational writing? Or do you want to try your hand at, like, fiction? Or, or essentially, is this something that you see yourself doing beyond this book? It is, because writing um, was like bleeding on paper. The more I wrote, the better I felt just getting it out because, I, like I said, I couldn't talk because I had a lump in my throat. But since I started writing, this, my imagination, I mean, I have like what, three or four books, um, some based right here on my um, road, an Indian curse. And I have three or four things in mind that um, once I get this out and I'm finished, then, yeah, I would like to continue writing because... I go up on the mountain, I sit there with my paper and pen, and I write, and it's peaceful. Well, I will say this much. Uh, what what else? I, I will say this before I say this much. Um, <laughs> what else besides the writing? Obviously, the writing became kind of a therapeutic thing for you. To be, be able to tell your story in a way that nobody could stop you from telling it. Um, obviously, had to be extremely therapeutic. But what else do you do to occupy your time? Uh, and especially to, to help you forget, uh, well, I'm sure you don't forget, but I mean, to, to give you some moments of peace or clarity, you know, uh, what are, what are some of the things that you've, you've done to, to help take your mind off of pretty much a horrible everyday living in a community that like that? Well, I feel blessed that I live out of town and I live, I, on the last house um, on a county road where at least to thousands and thousands of acres forest land where I hike with my backpack and my dogs and I turn on music and I always say once I get to the gate there's no motorized vehicles allowed up there and I never see anyone up there and I see all kinds of wildlife and I'm like I'm gonna leave my problems at the gate so I hike and I walk and I always think of Forrest Gump how he walked and walked and walked and then he got tired and he went home and that's what I do. And then if I wear myself out hiking and I take my notepad with me and whenever, you know, something comes to mind, I write it down. I have lunch up there and I just hike. And when I get tired, I come home and then I can sleep. And I get up the next day and I'm like, this, I'm good enough for today. I did good enough for today. Okay. So uh, obviously these are all the things that you used uh, even before the writing to, to, to help take your mind off of whatever trials and tribulations even before all the the horrible events that have happened yes so you found that they were therapeutic they helped yes after my husband passed away that's all i had yes well i i wish 
the absolute best. Um, I, I hope that the message that you that you can uh, that you uh, ex- extrude, I guess that's the word I'm looking for, uh, that comes out from this book is, is is one that a lot of people can hopefully resonate with. Maybe if they de- not necessarily that they've gone through the exact same situation that you have, but that they could see their own situation in what you've done and and how to who to rise above it. You know, um, have you thought about, uh, for lack of a better term here, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the TED Talks where people have gone and, and given lectures about situations um, and, and, and their life stories. Have you ever thought about that, like maybe motivational speaking? Um, I have thought about that, and... I think um, I'm very interested in it, and like I said, if I can just make a difference to one person, that makes everything worthwhile. Okay, well that 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 brings me to to my next question. Then, uh, is there a way that people who may want to speak to you, maybe to get more information about about the book, maybe to get more information about uh, the situation you've been through? Uh, is there a way that people can contact you if they wanted to ask you questions about the situation, the book, or, hell, just to find out how you handled it because they're going through a situation on their own? Absolutely. I would like to be that person for anyone that um, has anything to talk about. If they need to reach out to anyone, I would like to be that person. And they can contact me at liveitwild1 at yahoo.com. That's all one word, live it wild one? Yes. Okay. And that's live it, live it wild because I'm always on the mountain. <laughs> There's nothing I prefer, wrong with that. I prefer animals to people <laughs> around here anyway. And then my phone number is 541-921-3125. All right, guys. But I will stay. I will give this disclaimer. I will state it to my listeners themselves. Uh She's offering this as a way to, to discuss her book. She's offering this as a way to discuss the situation and offering this in a way to, to be helpful to you if you're dealing with a situation yourself. She is not offering this for heckling or hazing or or type of negative condensation. I am asking my, I'm not even asking, I'm telling my listeners, if that is your intent, do not use this information. I will not have negativity given to this woman from my show. Thank you. So, yeah, you're but right. I'm not hiding. Oh, I know you're not hiding. I have I a just, voice. I, I know you're not hiding, but I, I, I want to be able to hopefully help others through you, not to have you go through more than you've already have. You know? Thank so, you. So, uh, guys. You're a... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think you're very appreciated. I I appreciate I appreciate you coming on and and sharing. I know it's not an easy subject matter to even discuss, and it was even worse that I had no idea what a, uh, what the story was going to be. I just, I was, as I told you, like I was told, uh, yeah, she's got an interesting story and she's a writer. I said, okay, I'll talk to her, but I had no idea what what the story was going to be, and and my my heart really goes to you and your family. It really does, you know. Um, Guys, that's going to do it for this episode of Breaking the Fourth Wall. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did in any capacity, hit that thumbs up button. Share, comment, subscribe. Check out all 
other great uh, podcasts and go over to our sister channel, uh, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all the tabletop and D&D content. And if you prefer your podcast in audio-only format, of course, you can find us on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And again, uh, Lisa's information, her email, and her phone number will be linked in the description down below so you guys can have an easy direct link to her email or uh, be if you're listening on phone, you can click the link to the phone number and be able to just hit call. So, guys, thank you very much. And, again, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with this. I know it couldn't have been an easy experience. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, guys, I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Hey guys, it's Chris from Realm of the Mist Entertainment. If you enjoyed this video, please hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts that can be found on Realm of the Mist Entertainment's YouTube channel or our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop needs. And if you prefer your podcasts in audio-only format, check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. To our Patreon supporters, we thank you very, very much. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the mist and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode.